You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. In our masterclass for today, we are talking maintenance court. We're going to define exactly what the maintenance court is, what they do, what their jurisdiction is, and exactly how they work. Because so many of you have complaints on both sides of the table. The ones who are saying that I'm being dragged to maintenance court when X, Y, and Z uh, were my demands or I didn't sign up for this. Others are saying the maintenance court is only making this person pay X amount of money and I'm dissatisfied. So now we're going to address these issues. We have Kamukhelo Lukubu, who is director in the office of the chief family advocate. And we're also joined by Rifilwe Lekwati, who is senior maintenance prosecutor, maintenance section at the Sexual Offences and Community Affairs Unit. Kamukhelo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Zulebukhile. It's Kamukhelo. I'm Kamakhelo Likubu Wilderson from the Department of Justice. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much, Kamakhelo. And Rifilwe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rifilwe. Thank you for inviting us. And um, good afternoon as well to you and the listeners. So, Kamakhelo, let me start with you. Um, what exactly is the maintenance court? I actually think there are many South Africans who are not aware that the maintenance court is its own court separate from um, maybe what would be deemed as um, a court where uh, things like access and custody are dealt with at family court? Yes. Um, often people uh, want to understand uh, the difference between the various courts that they are in South Africa. Mm. But what I need to clarify is that a maintenance court it's basically, it's a court that sits in a magistrate's district. Mm. So we have maintenance courts in magisterial districts all over the country. And um, when the court sits, it can sit as a maintenance court. So in one particular district court, let's just say um, Protea Magistrate's Court, it could be at any given time three or four courts sitting looking at maintenance. Oh, so, so, it's, so, so maintenance is not a physical court. It is as yeah. in the magistrate's court will host a maintenance uh, issue within it, making Inquire. it a maintenance court. Yes. Okay. Yes, we define it as a court because uh, it, it has particular requirements. Mm. We will have uh, court officials that normally and ordinarily appear or you will find in a maintenance court is a maintenance officer, a maintenance investigator, and the magistrate Mm -hmm. and the clerk of the court. And it will be uh, definitely different from a sexual offenses court, which has different type of role players that play according to the sitting. The sitting is defined by the legislation that is being considered. Mm. by the particular magistrate at a given time. So at the time that they listen to a maintenance matter, it's the court sitting as a maintenance court. Okay, that that makes complete sense. So what issues does the maintenance court have jurisdiction over? Maintenance court has jurisdiction over the duty of support. And the duty of support, I would say that primarily, 
we uh, normally refer to it uh, based on the dependency of a child on their parent to provide them with support for their needs. Mm. And um, that's the general rule. However, under common law, there is an obligation for duty of support between parents, guardians, or an adult child who may well need to continue to be supported even if they are uh, an adult. So um, there's a range of beneficiaries Mm. depending on who applies for maintenance and against who. But the person against whom you apply must have a duty to support you. Does do any spousal support cases also get addressed in maintenance court? Um, not necessarily. If parties are basically living together, you can apply for maintenance support because if the partner who is working and is supposed to support you and is not bringing money, you are at will at liberty to go to court to apply for maintenance. For people who are divorced, normally it comes with um, maintenance better, comes from the divorce court with the divorce order. When the applicant cries or presents an application that uh, the party who has the duty to support is not complying with the divorce order to maintain the, the beneficiary party. So just so I understand you correctly, if two people are living together and one is financially dependent on the other and the person then neglects those duties, they can actually come and apply to say, listen, I'm not receiving any kind of maintenance support from my partner. You can apply for maintenance order. You go to court and say that I need to apply for a maintenance order against so and so, and uh, the court clerk will take you through the steps with the um, uh, J101 and application form for first-time applicants for maintenance. So you can basically do that as a party who is dependent on the other party. That happens quite a lot. And and does this include when they have parted ways outside of um, you know a marriage being dissolved? It depends. If there is a duty to support, you have to establish as an applicant that there is a continued duty to support. Mm-hmm. Yes, you will have to prove that you don't have any other means personally and that there's no other person who has a better uh, responsibility. If you've got a mom and dad who are well able to support you, then those are your first point of reference. Mm-hmm. Probably, and then you go to the next, to the next, until you exhaust all the people that you can say has the duty to support you. So, with regards to the adult child, because you also mentioned um, that one, which maybe is not as pos- uh, as uh, popular as you know cases where they are small children. Are we saying an adult child who, let's say, hypothetically, is now twenty? They are unemployed, they've looked for work, but their parents who can support that child financially have decided to cut them off for whatever reason. That child can actually take their parents to maintenance court. 
Exactly. They can definitely apply for maintenance order against their, their parent. It continues for as long as the person is dependent. You can even be 60. If your parents have the means, the financial means, the economic means, the means to support you, they could be liable mm. to support you in your adulthood. That is the common law duty that we depend on. I'd like to bring uh, Refilwe in now. Refilwe, how does the process work now? Um, you know, we've established what kind of cases um, this court will have jurisdiction over and the type of people that can go um, for maintenance, which is beyond what we commonly speak about, which is, you know, a mother trying to get maintenance from the father of her child. How does the process work now? Where does a person begin when they need to claim maintenance from someone? Okay, hi. When one needs to claim maintenance, obviously, as you've um, established that the, the jurisdiction and the maintenance court, one will approach the court and you will be received by the clerk of the court where you will then be given the forms to fill in. And it's very important as well for people when they approach the court to know exactly how much are they applying for and what are their monthly you know, expenses. Mm. It differs from one case to the other, you know, because most often you find that we have, for instance, a 15-year-old, two cases, same um, age, same kids, maybe parents also aiming more or less similar, mm. but the outcome will be different. Mm. So what usually happens is it's important because you just don't go to court and say, I need 5,000, like you just you know, say it at the top of your head. Mm. You know, realities work. So now that will have to be in line with your expenses. And also, uh, people also need to understand that maintenance stems from if you're a child, it's the responsibility of both your father and your mother. Mm. So if you are applying against the father, then the amount that you apply for, because the court will look at that amount, taking into account all the other factors in play for instance the income of the father the mother are the other children involved either out of wedlock what is the current position but what is important is the amount and is the income of the parents and also what will be appropriate when the court looks at it so now when you apply then you have it's important also that you have to have the information that is needed like the person that you are playing against where do they live where do they work and all because that will alleviate the delay in terms of when the process the court process is served they know exactly where to serve the person mm. and once the person is served that person will have to appear on the court as you know is indicated on the process on that date and they will indicate to them that they need to bring in with them proof of their income mm. for instance that will be placed for three months you know three bank statements and also their list of income and expenses mm. so that will also enable the official who will be dealing with the matter to look into all factors the application and advise parties accordingly and in other cases you find that they are just a, a, a simple cases and the people will agree on an amount mm. you know the father probably in this case if it's the father will say okay it's fine this is my child i agree and we can you know i can pay maintenance commands of x amount then in that case there will be an order you call it a consent order mm. it means the parties have agreed 
Now, the official will just reduce all the agreements into the uh, uh, court order. It's called J214. And they will be brought before a magistrate who will confirm that order. But what is important also is the fact that people need to be warned for the father to say, you have to comply with this order per month as per this court order, failure which these are the consequences. That will be failure to comply and consequences will be either will be charged criminally or you, or, or, or your, your income will be attached to, you know, pay up for whatever mm. I'm And also that if anything changes, what is important is circumstances. The circumstances that led to the order being made. In circumstances, it's important for parties to approach the court to say, I'm no longer earning that amount, I'm no longer employed and whatever, so that now the court can advise and you to make an application for whatever reason, maybe to vary that order to reduce it. So each and everything is important. Whatever circumstances changes, you need to, to, to inform the court. And now you will pay, and if you fail to pay, then there are consequences. If the child is maintained until they, they are self-supporting, they are older, you also apply for that court order to be discharged. It just doesn't lapse because the child is now waiting. You have to make sure that you come, you apply for it to be discharged. That's the end of it. So, Rafilo, what happens now in a situation where a person is coming uh, to claim maintenance from the father of their child but the father of the child is, for example, not on the birth certificate. Does the court um, insist on a paternity test if the father is denying that the child is theirs? And if they are refusing, can things like payment of damages be used as acknowledgement of paternity? How, does, how do those situations work? Okay. Yes, you will realize that they are, you know, we come from various backgrounds and all other cultures that is a culture issue because other cultures will believe that the child will have to be accepted damages paid and all but now like it's has indicated there it's a common law duty to maintain but we also have the maintenance act we are now operating on the maintenance act of 99 of 1998 which also entrenches maintenance rights and also assist us to recover maintenance. So whether the child has been, you know, the damages has been, have been paid or whether the person has, has been acknowledged the child or whether you don't even appear on the birth certificate as a father, that doesn't, you know, take away the fact that you are the biological father mm. or you are the, the adoptive father or you are the person responsible to pay this maintenance. Those can be raised, but those need to be addressed to say, when we're dealing with maintenance, there's a legal duty. Now, according to the Maintenance Act, you know, the requirements are three. It's a legal duty to maintain. That is a blood relation or adoption, you know, those kind of things. Then we have the, the means, you know, a person who's supposed to maintain has to have means and the person needs to be maintained has to, you know, have a need to be maintained. So those are issues that can be raised. But the minute a person raises that to say, this might not be my child, Clearly, because of people have rights, mm. and according to the law, you have to maintain what you are legally liable to, mm. you know. Mm. So then, obviously, that's when the issue of paternity will come into play to say it's fair for people to know that by law they are maintaining people that they are li- legally liable to maintain. For instance, in other cases, you'll find that people have been maintaining children, 
and later on for whatever reason that may be, you know, um, raised, a person will now realize that, no, this might not be my child or I have had so and so and or now they will need to ascertain whether they are maintaining. And you find that, you know, there were cases where you find that when they go to a paternity testing at the later stage, they, some tests will exclude them as the fathers of the children. You know, mm. it happens at times. Mm. And then in that the case, women, can you claim back from the mother yes. of the child? Yes, they have the, 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 that, you know, latitude to do that. Like, you know, it's a civil claim altogether because it will depend at the end of the day whether you want to claim it or not. It's your right. Mm. Then you can, you know, go through the process of a civil, you know, to claim or regain whatever it is that you've been paid, you've been paying all along. And it depends as well because these cases differ from one to the other. You know, you'll find others who will, they already have that connection with the mm. children and all they decide, no, I, I don't want to claim. Others, they continue the relationship. Mm. Others, it, it, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's the decision of the person. But according to the law that we apply, we implement, we, we work with him, then that is one of the requirements. So it's only those three requirements. So at the end of the day, if it says you are not the father, because that is one of the requirements that falls off as a result, then there's no legal duty anymore for you. Kamakhala, mm. um, I just want to come back to you. Um, can you differentiate with us? Because there's always this argument and debate that is happening where a father, for example, will say, you know, I have been denied access to my child and um, I'm being taken to maintenance court because I refuse to pay. And we are of the understanding that, yes, ex- you're not paying to see your child. So those are two different issues. So can you talk to us about within your jurisdiction, where does the part of access play and where does it play out? I think it is important to understand that in the maintenance court, we deal with issues relating to maintenance. Mm. And then if there is a dispute relating to access and custody, you go to the children's court. Mm. In the children's court, they will help you come to conclusion about issues of access and custody. But what I would like to encourage, you know, parties uh, or ladies out there and because we are normally the primary caregivers. Mm. We need to understand that maintenance of a child is based on the best interest of the child. And the best interest of the child is for both parents to be participating in their upbringing, whether financially or otherwise. So it's important not to use maintenance as a tool to define issues of custody uh, mm. or access especially. And it is also important to understand that that is not your right as a parent. It's the right of a child because remember, under the new constitution, the a child is a bearer of right on their own. Mm. Without so without you as a parent. Land on they have a host of rights that maintenance is not for me as a parent. It's for the benefit of the child. Mm. I come in to apply for maintenance in the best interest of the child. That's basically where we need to uh, uh, start our argument from, to say that what is the interest of the child 
Is it in the interest of the child to see the father or not? Mm. In other circumstances, there might be um, reasons mitigating against the child seeing the father. But that can be determined at the children's court. You mm. present your case at the prison. The, the father probably has to apply for access and say that I'm denied access to my child. I want access, and these are the conditions that I want the access into. Then we involved the family advocate to do the assessment of the best interest of the child and present the report to court. At that point, the court will decide on the presentation of the case by the family advocate to say, yes, we grant access or we grant custody to one parent or mm. the other. So what is important that also has been said is that we must understand that when we deal with issues of rights to children, it happens both ways because we have the equality clause. Fathers have as much right to be custodians, to be in custody of their child if they want, Mm. as much as a mother has. So in the children's court, that's where you argue about that. But once a maintenance order has been made, you may not stop paying maintenance because you are not getting access. Mm. But I'll also like to encourage uh, mothers say that let us not use access. I mean, if the father does not pay and he wants to see the child and they normally bond in a particular way, don't use the child to actually force the mm. father to pay maintenance. Just go to the maintenance court, say that this person has defaulted and and say what uh, civil remedy do you want to be taken to? And that's to actually do a Kanishi order, mm. we do a default judgment, we do Kanishi and we Kanish them. Or if we need to attach movable or immovable property so that you can recoup the maintenance that you apply to court to do that. So and I, 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 I think when it comes to it plays a very important role mm. that you go every step of the way you approach the court for any changes in the circumstances that you uh, the maintenance circumstances that you face at that given time after a maintenance order has been given. And I think um Kamakhala you really have laid it out clearly to say that access and custody are two uh, are different issues from maintenance. So one cannot use um, the other because it's not just a father or a mother who has a right to see their child or have access to their child. A child also has a right to have access to their parents. So we will continue with this conversation. It is a masterclass on maintenance court. I would love to hear from you. We'll take your calls, your SMSs, your tweets and your WhatsApp. 6 p.m. 702 Masterclass. We'll continue our conversation. Today's masterclass is on maintenance court. We're speaking to Kamohelo Lukubu, who is director in the office of the chief family advocate, as well as Rifilwe Lukwati, senior maintenance prosecutor, maintenance section at the sexual offenses. Um, and Community Affairs Unit. My apologies, the title is very long. And we're taking your calls, 11 883 your SMS is 31702, your tweets at Relebukhile M at Radio 702, using the hashtag 702 Afternoons and the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. Let's go to the lines and take some of your calls. Many of you have been waiting patiently. Zunaid in Pretoria, hi. Hi, Zunaid. How are you? 
Hi, Rele Bokhele, and to your guests. Um, I've been listening to the to the conversation with very keen interest. I'm a family law practitioner myself, and I just wanted to assist um, to give examples of how I explain to my clients the issues of contact to children and maintenance being separate. Mm. I mean, people are obviously very frustrated and it's very emotional, so sometimes I will have many in my office saying, I don't want to pay because I'm not seeing the child. Mm. And I explain it this way, you know, you could be a man of straw, you could be unemployed, you could have lost your job, you could have absolutely no money. But the court can still find, with the assistance of experts and evidence, that it is in the child's best interest to have contact with you. You then approach the maintenance court for a discharge of your obligations until your situation improves and you can find a job and you can still have access to your child. And on the on the other end, you could be a person of exceptional means, mm. but whatever the facts are, you know, there could be physical abuse, there could be emotional abuse, there could be psychological abuse of mm. that child. And with the assistance of expert reports that are shown to court, you can go to court and say, it's not in my child's best interest for this person to see, whether it's the mother or the father, to have access to this child. Um, but obviously they can still afford for the child. So the issues are very different. And when I explain it to people that way, they do tend to understand the separation. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Zunaid in Pretoria. I think you've laid it out quite clearly. Grace in Pretoria, hi. Hi. Yes, go ahead, Grace. Okay, okay, okay. I do have a problem. Um, my son has a... Okay, my son has a son of nine years, Okay. Uh, the mother of the son passed on when the child was only seven months old, right? Then thereafter, he applied for the custody of his son. After applying for the custody of his son, he was granted that custody. But then the paternal, okay, and then thereafter, then they gave, they wanted to give the maternal grandmother uh, access, mm. visitation rights, mm. okay? And the grandmother refused the, those visitation rights say, because she was angry that the child was given to his father. The custody mm. of the child was given to his father. So he, she said that she will see the child when the child is 18 years mm. old. So which means that those visitation uh, rights were not uh, uh, tabulated, mm. right? Now, the last year I've been going to court the whole of last year because then she went to court and lied under oath saying that my son has taken his son under false pretense from her. And so, Gr- Grace, can I just interrupt yes. you quickly? Is your issue yes. an access and custody issue or a maintenance issue? It's, a, it's an access issue because now this... Uh, okay, so uh, the, the reason not- I'm going to stop you is because... We, we, you know, the ex, the guest experts that we have today specifically deal with maintenance. So can I pass you on to our producer? Let's take your details and maybe we can have a conversation around custody and access and deal with it then. Wendy in Parkview. Hi. Hi, Wendy. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Sorry. Um, you, you cut off for a while there. Yes. Um, can, okay, before we start, can you please, um, uh, hang on to these ladies' contact details and their names? so that I can get them back from you some later in the day when you're not busy. Um, okay. I've, been at the, I've been at the maintenance court for eight years. Mm-hmm. Eight years. Mm. Because my husband, I found, walking down, uh, when I walked, uh, uh, waiting on one of the hundred and something um, uh, sessions I've been to at the Randburg Magistrates Court, um, a, 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 an attorney came to me and he said, I see you've been sitting here for a long, long time, years. Go and have a look and see what's happening in the stairwell. I went to the stairwell, 
and I opened it, and there was my ex-husband having handing wads of money to the prosecutor, the senior pr- prosecutor mm-hmm. at Randburg Magistrates Court. He kept me, kept my maintenance there for eight years until I threatened to sue him himself. Mm. I went to the high court with a high, uh, to the magistrate's court with a high court order. All that had to be done was the writ of execution. He just stopped paying my maintenance. Mm. And he, he had to be attached. His goods had to be attached. Eight years it took them until I threatened. I phoned Batoy. We had a delegation of women who are going through the same thing at Randburg. So we is, is the, the issue offices. is the issue corruption as in bribing of officials so that maintenance does not need to be paid? Yes. Mm-hmm. Let me ask, um, um, Kamakhelo, I don't know if you are able to respond to that one. I think that is a very clear allegation. And um, I'll hand it over to Refila to respond to that because she works within the NPA. As you know, that um, prosecutors are semi-independent or Mm. independent when it comes to carrying out their duties because they have to carry out their duties free of favor. Mm. And um, I think she, she can talk to the issues on how do you actually deal with a case of corruption within the NPA. I couldn't do that as mm. the Department of Justice. I can't speak on behalf of the NPA, but yes, I think yes. she is well placed to answer that. Rafire, um, how, how did these cases get dealt with? So in a situation like the one of Wendy, where it seems that um, she has some kind of evidence of corruption, how do you deal with it? Okay, um, you know, as she said, she saw money exchanging hands and the STP. Yes, true, those are very serious allegations. But if that is the case, there's nothing, nothing that stops anyone to report corruption or any other illegal activity, while either with officials or any other person, especially with officials when your matter is you know, being attended to and if it has been dragging, as she has indicated. So now, Wendy, I, I, I'm not sure, but then she's free to, you know, approach, if she's talking about Randbeck, uh, she can, we have, as NPA, we have senior maintenance prosecutors in each and every province. They are stationed at the, uh, stationed at the DPP offices. Then she can bring that to, 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 those, to their attention, so, or the DPP themselves, and also report the matter at the police, because this is a criminal matter. Mm. There's nothing that stops her to, to report that. But then, the, I'm not really sure as to, you know, often you will find people like, you know, saying that I've been going up and down, you know, so many years. But the reality is, each and every case, as I've indicated earlier on, when I gave an example of the process to say, if it's a straightforward matter, mm. then you get an order right away. If there are issues like applications for, for, for paternity or whatever, there are a, a whole lot of details which each and every person have, have, have rights and they have rights to exercise those rights as well. So what I'm glad about is the fact that she said eventually there was attachment mm. for the maintenance which was owing. For me, that is a win, you know. But then as far as corruption is concerned, and I, I'm sure people will also realize that not even long ago, yesterday, our, our national director, 
was also saying that there's no place for corruption. She also indicated that there's a team set aside specifically to deal with this. Whether mm. outside or inside, there's no zero tolerance. So there's nothing really that stops Wendy, especially if she's seen anything. That is evidence there. Mm. She it to the police to open a case and processes will unfold. And if it's one of us, processes will also unfold internally and externally as well. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll continue with this masterclass. You. 702 Masterclass. All right, we are running out of time, so I'm going to do my absolute best to get through all of your questions. I'm still with Gamhelo uh, Lugubu and Rifilwe Lekwaiti. So let's go to uh, Gabriel in Pretoria. Hi, Gabriel. Hi, Lugubu. My question is about um, a child who's already over the age of 18. Mm-hmm. My niece turned 18 a couple of years ago. Her father stopped paying whatever maintenance he was paying. But what your guest just said is they are supposed to pay maintenance until the child is able to sustain themselves. Now she's in varsity, he's not paying for that. We as a family are, he's not contributing to anything. Mm. Is there a recourse for her to claim for maintenance? Because I know there was a court case with two judges in Cape Town and their daughter took them to court Mm. for maintenance Mm. as an adult. All right. Um, I don't know if, Kamakhelo, uh, this is I yours can, to take. I can respond to mm. that because, as I said, uh, when um, if you are a child and you are continuing to be dependent, you, have to, you actually have the right to apply for maintenance on your own. Often it's uh, the mother who goes and applies together with the child, but clearly... Because she's an adult, she can apply for for themselves uh, for maintenance. And um, there are other situations where you find that the child is they is in Western Cape and the court is in breath. In those circumstances, then you have to write an affidavit to court to say that I designate my mother to present me in court in this application. Mm. But the application is made by you yourself. Because sometimes the child cannot fly over or travel back to uh, uh, Pretoria or Northwest in order to present their case. All right. um, Let's go to Siswe in Pretoria. Siswe, go ahead. Yes. Look, there was an interim order issued against me without any paperwork being checked and all that. Fine. Now the interim order doesn't have any bank details or whatsoever. And there's a separate matter, a criminal case against me that I shouldn't contact the applicant for maintenance order. Mm. So I wanted to know what is the direction going forward? Uh, what should I do? Because my friend is coming now, now, and I don't know who to contact. I'm not supposed to contact the family or anybody mm. else. So I wanted clarification on that matter. How do I do that? Because she was supposed to inform the court that there's a court order against me that I shouldn't contact her. So that should there be any need that I need to contact her, I know who to contact and all that. So um, I'm in the tag. If you can all right. help me with that, please. All right. Rufilo, I think you can take this one. Hi. Yeah, okay, you know, it, it's Caesar is checking a, a lot of things because now if you unpack it, he's talking about an interdict against him. Obviously, there are a lot of issues happening there. He's talking about an interim order. Interim order is a maintenance where until it's finalized in the meantime, because maybe there might be other issues that they are trying to raise and all. In the meantime, in the interim, this is how much you pay. That interim order 
is done in court. So Caesar must approach the court with that order and also other issues that he has to say, court, you know, this is where you, you've given us this interim order and I'm mm. not supposed to, the, the order says he's supposed, he's supposed to contact the mother because usually the interim order and maintenance is for him to pay. So then if he goes there to get the maintenance officer or the prosecutor to say this is the position, they will contact the mother of the child and they will address these issues and i'm not sure whether i'm i'm really making you know doing justice to this question because he's talking also about the interdict as well because if we know all the the the, the you know the the, the facts mm. then he can, he, he can get the proper advice but now i'm just giving advice on what he said yes and that that's understandable yeah. yes we, we're yeah. not going to be able to help people with um yeah. complicated issues so maybe let me should just approach court see the maintenance prosecutor or officer they will assist him there where they issue the interim maintenance order okay um one of the biggest complaints that many mothers have is that the court ordered that father must pay x amount and they're just not getting that money what can they do if they're not winning with receiving the money an order has been done and maybe they they cannot even do a garnishment because the person doesn't have formal employment what remedy do mothers or parents have if they're struggling to get maintenance after a court has given an order you know can um, i, can I sorry, sorry okay maybe let me answer it from our uh, perspective you have options the first option to do is to apply for a default judgment for a default order and it's a new process where the service and as well as investigation into the financial situation of the respondent uh, and therefore they must immediately go back to the court on a particular day let's say the court will normally say that within you must pay uh, maintenance within by the end of the month which is 30 days after 30 days if he does not pay on that day you wait for about 15 days Rufilo will be able to correct me there you wait for about 15 days after 15 days of non-payment then the order will be basically uh, processed and then uh, the respondent will be served immediately. Ladies, I'm going yes. to ask, no. ask the both of you because unfortunately we've run out of time. Oh, we did oh, not okay. even it's, get it's through. Complex. We, we didn't get through so many things. Part of the issue. So can I can I when ask you? Let's come back to master. Yes, please. Can, can you come back? Please, can you come back? To yeah. pay okay, yes. Do after that. Perfect. So please, can I ask that you both come back so we can address this? So many of your questions, we will keep them on record, your voice notes that came through, because I even need to address the fact that there is a grandparent who's paying maintenance on behalf of their child. So, so many things we didn't cover. But thank you so much for staying with us on this masterclass.